Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Last Word. I'm Dan Roberts, the publisher of The Vegas Voice, and our goal is to introduce you to all the people that are running for elected office in the upcoming year. We're very fortunate to have with us today Mr. Noel Melgeri, if I say it correctly, yep. who is running for Congress, uh, Con CD District 3, if I'm saying it correctly. You got it, Dan. Noel, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, really it's a pleasure it. to be with you. Thank you. You know, I guess before we even go into why and your positions, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I am a father and a husband, and I'm a, a veteran of the United States Army, former Army officer. I'm a business founder. I have an engineering business that I founded around uh, an invention of mine. But I, most of my career, I practiced law as an attorney, mm -hmm. um, first as a, as a JAG in the military, and then I was a, a patent attorney in Boston and, and D.C. and Orange County. And then uh, later in my legal career, I directed a large legal nonprofit activity here in Vegas. In fact, the largest pro bono legal services organization in the state of Nevada for five years. Mm -hmm. We provided uh, free legal services to people who couldn't afford an attorney for cases like domestic violence, domestic disputes, consumer issues, and also we gave free attorneys to the um, children in the foster program when they were before the court to find out who they're going to live with and their placement. You know, and the question I'm going to ask you, and I, even if I put you on the spot, is somebody who has been successful in doing that, someone who has been doing good for the community, someone who is well-respected, why in God's name would you run for Congress under this kind of atmosphere? Yeah, well, that's exactly why, because the atmosphere is so dire. I mean, I've never seen the country I love, the country I grew up in, the country my parents and grandparents loved and, and, and contributed to and fought for, like I did. Um, in such peril, you know, as we are right now. I've never seen things like this before. Yeah. Um, you look at, you know, and of course everybody knows, but you look at the economy, you look at inflation, you look at fuel prices, you look at the invasion at the southern border, you look at the, the Chinese communist threat, you look at the COVID lockdowns, you look at the decline of small business. Everywhere you turn, the decline of culture. I mean, the decline of culture is one of the biggest issues that we're facing now. Um, it's absolutely, it brings me a lot of, of despair to see my country in that state. And I have kids, Dan. Yeah. I have young kids. I have, I have two boys who are 13 and one's about to be seven. And I just uh, thought one day I had the realization that there's some chance that they might not even grow up in a free country the way things are heading because we don't even have, the idea that we live in a free country even today in 2022 is becoming increasingly more and more of simply an illusion because we really have, we don't have freedom of speech like we used to. We don't have parental rights. We don't have medical autonomy, and we don't even have free and fair elections, in my opinion, So, as the last election showed. So I'm terribly concerned that we're going to lose everything, our freedom, the thing that is the most cherished, the thing that we hold most dear, enables us to live fulfilling lives, peace, security, and justice in this country is our, is our fundamental individual liberties, and I think they're under tremendous threat right now. Well, again, you're running in the Republican primary. Hopefully, if you are successful, you'll be running against Susie Lee. I guess there's a lot of political contrast between your position and uh, Susie Lee. Let's go with that. Yes, sir. I, th I think that's true. I think that's fair to say. You know, um, Susie Lee and all, and she's a, a junior congressperson, of mm -hmm. course, and particularly in that, in that situation, all the uh, Democrat congresspeople have to vote in lockstep with the party directives, the, pre the, the prescribed vote 
um, comes down from the top from Nancy Pelosi. So if you look at Susie Lee's voting record, 99% of the time it aligns with Nancy Pelosi. They're very, very strict about enforcing that discipline within the party to great effect because it's allowed them to advance their agenda very effectively. I think it's a toxic and dysfunctional and destructive agenda overall for regular Americans, business owners, and families. But yes, my agenda, and as I mentioned to you before we started, I, I've been recognized and acknowledged as one of the most conservative candidates in the country. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fair. Although in my mind, my positions are not, they're just common sense positions for patriotic, regular American citizens. Well, with that in mind, give us a couple of those policies. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so some of the things you look around and you see that are completely out of control, for example, the border, right? Why do we have 220,000 encounters per month of illegal aliens coming across the border from countries all over the world, over 100 countries, and our tax dollars are paying agents of the government to essentially facilitate illegal immigration by resettling those individuals all over the country without our consent or authorization as citizens. But on our dime, they have more rights and privileges than the American citizens who are paying for this. And it's absolutely disrupting our economy. It's straining all our public services, our schools, our, our educational system, our medical system. I think there could be, and that's just encounters, Dan, 220,000. Mm -hmm. It could be three, four times that that are never even seen. And so I, I estimate that the population, the residential population of the United States could be up to 15 to 10 to 15% illegal aliens. Now that has a huge disruptive effect. Whatever you think about whether or not the folks should be entitled to come here, allowing all those people to come, that, that many people, that drastic of a population shift for um, undocumented illegal people is a massive strain on our, on our economy. We, and and, and the, the labor market in particular as well. So we have to get a hold of that. I say it's a military invasion. From my perspective, we need to treat it as a, an invasion to, to the territorial sovereignty of the United States of America. And what we need to do is we need to, first of all, we need to, the, the border is turned over to the cartels at this point. The cartels are making billions of dollars on human trafficking and drugs. They're flooding. They run the border. The, the car, they run the border. So what we need to do is designate the cartels as um, terrorist organizations, just as we have with other terrorist organizations around the world. We get to treat them that way so it gives us enhanced capability to remove people who support and contribute to the, the cartels and work for them on their behalf and operate on their behalf. But then the other thing we need to do is we need to deploy the United States military, uh, I think military police brigades down on the border to secure it until the wall is complete. Then we need to complete the wall. At the same time, we need to tell everybody who's here illegally, Look, you have, say, six months to leave because there's too many people to deport. So you say you have six months to leave. If you leave, you can go ahead and apply legitimately, like the people who have been waiting 10 years to come here in line legitimately, you can apply. But if we have to expend our resources and put agents in harm's way to deport you, then you cannot come back. You cannot come back. You, any application will be rejected, but you can't get a visa. You can't come back as a tourist. You can't come back to visit your family. You can never come back. It, would you say that's the number one issue that you have? I wouldn't say it's necessarily number one, but it's a huge issue for me. Okay, the other top two, let's say. I, so another, another huge issue for me is obviously the economy. We have um, massive inflation. So everyone says it's like 8%, but that's what the, the doctor consumer price index, CPI, mm -hmm. that they use now, it doesn't even match. The one that they used, to, if you use the same formula that they used the last time inflation was near this high back in the early 80s, 
our real inflation would be it's, it's upwards of 15%. And we feel that because the three biggest, you know, the biggest expenses that people face, housing, fuel, and food, are all up at least 15%, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. We've got these massive supply constraints that and they actually contribute to increased inflation as well. But we, the, the economy and the destruction of our currency that's going on right now is making all of us poorer. It's actually hitting us all, especially people on fixed incomes. I mean, how can you be on a fixed income and you, you're, the value of your money is getting 20% less every yeah. year, 15% less every year? It's basically a tax on everybody. It's a regressive tax. So that needs to be addressed. The monetary policy in terms of throwing massive quantities, trillions of dollars into the economy just recklessly is a huge contributing factor to that runaway inflation. We see it around the world, but we're in a terrible situation of real runaway inflation. Another big issue, and so that's a spending issue, it's fiscal discipline. We need to eliminate a lot of government programs. I say completely eliminate the Department of Education, get the federal government completely out of education entirely. Um, we need to examine the tax-exempt statuses for colleges and universities because they they're operate <clears throat> openly partisan fashion. They're not eligible for tax-exempt status. We need to defund Planned Parenthood, defund um, NPR, National Public Radio. Why is the government paying for a propaganda radio station? So these, these are, there's a hundred things what we need to do to decrease the size of the government, decrease the footprint of the central government. We, the states need to take a more prominent role. We see states going head-to-head -head with the federal government, trying to combat their overreach, like in Florida, we see it in Texas, we see it in North Dakota, other places around the country where governors, Republican governors, are saying, no, constitutionally we have a role too, we have power. In fact, the states created the central government to serve them, not the other way around. And we need to see more aggressive assertions of state power. Let me ask you this, and it's come up a couple of times. Assuming you win, mm -hmm. and even if the House becomes Republican, even if there's a Republican president down the road, but they're still Democrats. Do you feel that you can work with Democrats? Or are you one of those guys that believe compromise is a negative word, it's a bad word, you can't use it? We, we need to work with the Democrats who are starting to break with the, the party orthodoxy. So the Joe Manchins and, and, and some other Christian cinemas, we see other Democrats now um, very publicly saying the border situation is a terrible disaster and they're breaking with the Biden administration. We see. Uh, Democrats now saying we can't rescind Title 42. It'll be an absolute, which is a complete departure from the Democrat Party orthodoxy. You're not permitted to say that, but they're doing it. What we need to do is we need to encourage more of those Democrats to say, look, you don't need, this is our, these are disastrous policies for your constituents. If you really are a public servant, you care about the people, the families, and the businesses in your district, then get with the program, serve them, work for them, not the party. Your loyalty and your allegiance ought to be to the people and the citizens you serve, not the party. So we'll work with folks like that. We'll encourage more to have rational perspectives. Let me ask you this and see if I put you on the spot. Again, our, our readers through the Vegas Voice, they're seniors, they're 50 mm -hmm. and over. Mm -hmm. And our seniors should vote for you because? Yeah, well, first of all, what this for, the, the, I'm the only veteran in the race, okay? I'm the only person in the race who's served in combat, former Army officer. I look at the situation, there's, we have international threats all around because in foreign policy, we say that weakness is provocative. Weakness is provocation, especially when you're the, supposed to be the global superpower. So you look at the disaster in Afghanistan, right? That led directly to assertions of, and aggressive moves by dictators around the world. Not the least among them is Vladimir Putin in Ukraine, but we see it in Iran, North Korea. All the dictators in the world say, look, this guy, this guy Joe Biden, is a joke. We can do whatever we want. Now's the time. So what we need to do is we need to elect people that have foreign policy experience. I mean, I've lived... I practiced law on three different continents. I've been in combat. I was an Army plans officer and a JAG officer. 
So I understand foreign policy and military issues really well. And those issues are now at the forefront. But the second thing is, I don't care what people think of me or say about me. They can call me names. I'm going to get the job done. They've called me every name in the book. They've called me every name you could possibly imagine because I want to close the border. I want to deport the people who are here legally, give them the chance to apply legitimately like everyone else. But I I absolutely want to fight the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese Communist Party is taking over everything. I personally believe that Joe Biden, the president of the United States, allegedly, and I don't think he was legitimately elected, but I believe he's he's compromised by the Chinese. Everything he's done is a benefit the agenda of the Chinese Communist Party and is not in the interest of the United States government. So because I'm bold and unafraid, I I don't back down, I don't make apologies for my positions because I'm 100% America first, America last, and everything in between. And I have the military and foreign policy experience to really get things done as well. Well, in the few seconds that we have left, and we could have gone for hours, uh, uh, if people want more information about you, they want to volunteer, they want to contribute, how do they look you up? How do they find you? Yes, Dan, thank you. So just go to my website at noahfornevada.com. And you can also just Google me or look me up on the, you know, whatever search engine you use. I don't recommend Google, actually. But you can find all my, my op-eds. I've, I've penned a bunch of op-eds on water in Nevada, the return of Nevada mining. Um, I've talked about the return of the, the federal land, the BLM land, to the people of Nevada, the mm-hmm. counties. I talk about all my policies. And um, people can check it out at noahfornevada.com. You got it. Uh, that's our signal saying time is up. Noah, I, I thank you so much for being here. I wish you all the best. And this is Dan Roberts for The Last Word from The Vegas Voice saying, if you don't vote, you don't get a voice. Noah, Thanks, Dan. Thank, thank you so much. You.